On the first Sunday of each year here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, we remember the words and those phrases and the verses that you just saw by celebrating together the practice, the ordination, the ordinance of communion. I realize in, in a room this size that uh, there are so many different backgrounds, dozens probably of different backgrounds, different ways of partaking and, and receiving uh, the Lord's Supper. Some of you grew up calling it communion, like I did. Some of you grew up calling it um, the Lord's Table or the Lord's Supper or perhaps Eucharist or the Holy Eucharist. And that word Eucharist in the Greek language means thanksgiving, means gratitude. And that's exactly why we do this on a regular basis. See, Jesus, God's son, before he left and before he went away from this earth, he charged the church with two different things that he wanted to ensure that we practiced on a regular basis. And so he gave us the ordinance of baptism, which we celebrate during the summer at the beach, not this time of year. And we baptize those who have come to faith in Jesus, whether it was years ago or whether it was just, uh, you know, recently. But we also practice this ordination that Jesus gave us, this command he gave us to come around his table and to give thanks for what he did on the cross. It doesn't need to be reserved for just Easter one time a year. It should be something that we reflect on, shouldn't it, throughout the year. And I love the fact that we do this at the beginning of each year. Because let's face it, um, like we're gathering here today, and I know a lot of you have just made some great New Year's resolutions, haven't you? And a lot of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions, haven't you, if you're really honest? But I think there's so much more to the story, more that God wants for you and for me in 2017, more than just a good year or a year that you make yourself better. I believe that God wants for us to look at our lives, to look at our spiritual lives, and really take a close look at our journey with him. Now, I realize that today on this uh, brand new year that a lot of you walked in here today and with Christmas and the holidays over and now it's the new year, a lot of you probably walked in and, and the new year for you has already been a little bit disappointing. It may have been stressful. There may be some news that you received over the past few weeks that's been discouraging. For some of you, you walked into this place in this new year with something in your life that is a lid in terms of your relationship with God. It's something that may be weighing you down in a heavy, heavy way. And I want you to know that today when we come together and we partake of these elements, the bread and the cup representing the body of Christ and representing the, the blood of Christ, when we come together and we receive communion today, that's precisely why, I want you to hear this, it's precisely why God chose to die in the first place. It's for your struggles and for your pain, for my struggles and for my pain. And he came not only to give us a better life on this side of heaven, but he came to give us eternal life one day when we die, when we get to heaven. God chose to do this in an amazing way. We talked about that at Christmas, but he chose to do it in the most personal way by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. And today we come together and we will partake of these elements remembering what Jesus did on the cross.
The Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, gave us the specific instructions on how we should do this, on how we should come together. Because many of you know this, um, that the, the Passover feast or the feast that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples the week that he died, the day before he died, when they were in that upper room, they were actually celebrating a feast that went back like years before that. It was something that the Jewish people had been celebrating for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before that because they were celebrating God's deliverance of their whole nation from the bondage of the Egyptians. And so God established this, this dinner, this Seder supper, this Passover feast, where they remember God's amazing deliverance. And so Jesus was preparing his disciples and preparing his church and preparing us today to remember the deliverance that he was about ready to provide, the deliverance from the bondage of sin and death because of sin. And so he came precisely for all of those reasons. He came precisely for the pain that you're experiencing today. He came for the sin and the habit and the lifestyle that you may be consumed with today. He came for all of those reasons. And that's what we have to give thanks for. That's what we have to give gratitude. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he gave us instructions. He actually tells us how we should do it. And then at the end of this chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he gives us a little bit of an insight on how we should come to this table. And I love this part, and I think it's a great way to start each and every year as we begin all these new things, all these new and exciting goals that we have, and all these new and exciting you know, New Year's resolutions that we've, we had and broke the first day and all that. So he gives us a little insight on how he wants us to come to this table. And I believe how he wants us to live our lives in 2017. Check this out from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to read verses 27 through 32. And then we'll go back and look at the instructions on communion. Check this out in verse 27. He says this. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Gives us a warning. He says this, verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves. In fact, I want you to say that word with me. Everyone ought to examine himself, themselves before they eat of this cup, or they eat of the bread and drink from this cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And he explains something I think is very interesting, and it may apply to some of you today, he says this, that is why many among you are weak and are sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. You know, Jesus doesn't expect from us perfection when we come to his table. In fact, that's the reason he died in the first place, right? He came to impart to us righteousness. You see, we, if those of you who are here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are in him. You have righteousness in him. You are perfect, not because of anything that you've done or not because of anything you don't do, but because of what God did by the death of his son on the cross and the resurrection three days later. So we don't have to come perfect to this table. But I believe that we should come with clean hands and a pure heart. 
I believe that we should come to this table with honesty, with authenticity, because of what Jesus did on the cross. I remember when I was a teenager and I went to this little church. It was called the Church on the Hill in Lilburn, Georgia, Lilburn Alliance Church. And um, it was there, I was about 15 years old or 16 years old, when God began to do a real serious work in my life, like many of these students down here. And, and God began to work on my life. And so uh, once, about once a quarter, about as often as we celebrate communion, we would celebrate communion together. We'd do it on a Sunday night. And I remember sitting there, and it was, you know, it was the 1980s. And so there's orange pews, of course, left over from the 1970s. And I think green carpet, if I remember correctly. And everything else was red all around. It was orange, red, and green, just like the 1970s. Some of you know that. And I remember sitting in those ugly orange pews. And I remember reflecting on the cross. And I remember thinking that in light of what Jesus did, the least that I can do is to take a few moments and examine my heart. The least that I can do is to inspect my life and to have my life searched and see if there's anything in me that is keeping me from fellowship with other believers or anything in me that's in the way of my relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to allow God to search you. How many of you have ever been in an airport and you've gone through TSA and you get to the other side and you think, I'm through, I can put my belt back on and my shoes back on and I can get everything together and all of a sudden, somebody in a vest asks you to come this way. How many of you have been there before? Have you been there before? It's a lovely experience, isn't it? I remember when uh, we were going on a missions trip to Romania and it was me and a few other guys and I think we were in the Detroit airport at this point in time, and uh, we were running a little bit late for our flight. It was post 9-11, so things were pretty, um, like, you know, tight as far as security goes. And um, I got through, and I was really excited because we were running late, and all the guys had already, about three or four other guys on the other side, they had gotten through. And I got the, um, come here, sir. And somebody grabbed a wand, and they started doing the wand to me. And I had my belt off, my watch off. I had my um, flip phone pager off. This was years ago. If any of you are under 18, you can find out what a pager is. Anyway, I had all that off, and they had it, and the wallet was out, and everything was off. All I had was clothes, and the thing kept beeping and beeping and beeping every time they would go over me. And I remembered after a few moments that when I was 16 years old, um, I had a soccer injury, and I had a small pin that they had to put in my wrist. (laughs) And every time that wand went near that little pin, it went off, and it started beeping, and I had forgotten about it. And, you know, that's what sin does in our life. We accept it. We kind of go into it. Um, we get a hold of it. It, it kind of feels good. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a part of us, something that we can no longer remember. Something that at one point in time we were aware of and we were alert to. But all of a sudden, we kind of live with it for so long that we just forget it's there. And sometimes we need someone else in our life to remind us about that. See, that's where God wants your best, and that's why he wants you to examine yourself. That's why he wants me to examine myself. David, King David, all the way back in the Old Testament, prayed this amazing prayer in Psalm 139 that I just love, verses 23 and 24. Check this out. He says, search me, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious And then he says this very humbly, very honestly, with 
great authenticity. He says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. See, David understood a few things. He understood that there may be things in his life that he just doesn't see anymore. And so he humbly gets on his knees and he asks God to search him. And then he even says, test me, know my heart. Find any anxious way that's in me. And this morning, I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you before you receive, and we, do, we are in a position of receiving communion, just like we received that Jesus was our Savior into our lives. We're in a position of receiving. But before you receive this morning, if you're a Christ follower in here, I'm going to ask you to examine your heart. I'm going to ask you to allow and be open for God's Holy Spirit to search you. And to find if there's anything in your life that might be keeping you from God. And I'm going to give you a few moments just to do some business with God. Just a one-on-one talk with him. And ask him to search your heart. But here's what I want to do this morning. Because I, I, I get what happens in a time like this. When I give you a few minutes, if you're like me, I have ADD. I mean, it's bad. It really is bad. And I start thinking of all of those things that's keeping me from the Lord. And I get overwhelmed. I'm going to ask you just to ask God to reveal one thing in your life. What is one thing in your life that may be keeping you from him? And take this opportunity, whether it's worry or anxiety or disappointment, or perhaps it's something that you've inflicted upon yourself, or perhaps it's someone has inflicted something upon you. I'm going to ask you to leave that at the feet of the Savior before you come to the Lord's table. Father God, I pray that you would just be with each of us in this moment of honesty. God, I pray that you would be with us in this moment of reflection. And God, so many times when it comes to spiritual life, when it comes to our spiritual life, when it comes to our life with you, so many times we are hurting ourselves. We are our worst enemies. And God, right now, whether it be something in our lives that has disappointed us over the last year, or whether it is something in our lives that is causing us deep worry and anxiety. Or maybe it's something that we cannot get away from. We are just consumed with a thought over and over and over again. And it wakes us up in the middle of the night. Or perhaps it's anger. Or perhaps it's some sort of sickness that we've just found out about. Or perhaps it's a friend or a family member who's going through a difficult time. Or perhaps it's some kind of addiction or habit, or hang-up. Or perhaps it's something in, that's a part of our life that we can't even recognize right now. God, I pray that you would search us. I pray that you'd search me. God, that we would come to you right now in this moment of silence. And that we would be honest with you just for these next few moments. I just want to give you a moment or two to ask God to search you and to find that one thing in your life wants to show you that you need to leave at his feet. Would you just talk with God silently where you are? If you want to, you can come down to the cross to my left or your right, or you can get on your knees if you'd like to, wherever you are, and just talk with God for a few moments in silence.
Father, right now, um, we just give you whatever it is that you found in us. That we just confess it. Whatever it is. It might be an emotion. It might be a relationship. It might be a financial situation. It might be a business problem. It might be a sin or habit or a lifestyle. And we just give it to you right now. God, we give it to you. We confess it. You know it anyway. And you still loved us anyway. You knew it on that day that you sent your son to the cross. And you went willingly. And you died anyway. And we just thank you so much for that. And God, we just give you our sin. We give you our failure. We give you those things and that thing that you've identified in our lives right now. Help us, Father God, in 2017 to be able to remove that thing so that we can live with freedom in you. So that our journey with you can be vibrant. God, so that it can be infectious. So that it can be real and authentic and energizing. God, may our dependency this year be on you, the one who died for our sins. May it not be on ourselves or those things that so easily distract us. We give that to you and we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Right before Paul gives us the instructions to examine our lives before we come to this table, he talks about the elements. And today what we're going to do is I'm going to read this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and 24. And it's about the bread. And it's about that little wafer, that little cracker that you're going to take this morning. And that represents Jesus' body. And he wanted us to remember the sacrifice that he made on the cross and so today, um, what's going to happen is when I'm done reading this, I'm going to pray, and then our ushers are going to go throughout this room. They're going to pass these uh, trays around. And you can take that bread, and as soon as you receive it, you can go ahead and take it. We're not going to wait for all of us to take together. Some of you may want to wait for a moment. You may want to come down to the cross. You may want to just get on your knees and just thank him for what he did on the cross. But once you receive that bread, you can take it this morning. Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took that bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you so much for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, God, for your body that was beat, bruised, and punished so that we could have eternal life. God, we thank you that you were willing to sacrifice everything of of yourself and that you were willing to hang on that cross and go through that phony trial and be flogged and beaten and mocked and made fun of. And you did that so that we could have life everlasting. And God, just like the Jewish people when they celebrate that Seder supper, that Passover feast, just like when they celebrate that and they partake of the bread, they remember and they reflect on your deliverance from the hands of the Egyptians. And for your provision during their time and 
in the desert, God, we thank you so much. And we give you thanks that you provided your body as a sacrifice for each one of us. And God, we give you that this morning. We thank you so much for this bread that we're about ready to partake of and receive. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and pass a plate. And once you have that cracker, you can go ahead and receive it this morning.
of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, a substance and, and a bodily fluid that we often regard as disgusting and personal and one that ruins and stains everything that it touches. But there's one person's blood, that's the blood of Jesus, that's not disgusting, it's perfect. It's perfect, it's holy. And it's not just personal, it's universal for each of us. And it doesn't ruin everything it touches, it cleanses everything it touches, it, it perfects everything that it touches. And this morning we have the opportunity to celebrate and to remember that precious blood that was so carelessly shed. And my hope this morning is that we don't just take communion, that we don't just view the blood of Jesus, how maybe many of us have viewed it for so long, but we view it as the precious blood that it is. First Peter Chapter 1, verse 14 begins like this. says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's quite the New Year's resolution, isn't it? Be holy this year. You know, when I read that, I think of a, of a coach, you know, maybe a, a coach of a sports team saying, hey, this year, at the beginning of the season, they say, this year we're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to win the championship. And many times we disregard that thing. Well, that's just what a coach does. You know, you're not going to get up there and say, well, hey, we're going to win a few games. We'll do all right. No, we're going to win the championship. But we don't really take it seriously. And here, God is saying, be holy for I am holy. Or in other words, be set apart from everyone else, everything else in this world He's saying, I have a plan and a purpose for you and for your life. We measure our time by years, so I'm just going to say in 2017, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be more like him. And it might be a daunting task. Some of us might walk out of here and be, be challenged and encouraged to, to maybe write down a list of things we need to do. Maybe write a list of New Year's resolutions and how we're going to accomplish those. My wife and I have done some. But what I have forgotten, even in the last few days, what we so often forgot, is that it doesn't matter what you plan on doing and how you plan on doing it. Without the precious blood of Jesus, we cannot do anything. We cannot do anything continues and says this since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect it's not with the things of this world. It's not with the gold and the silver. It's not with the books. It's not with the marriage counseling. It's not with many of these things, which many are good things. But it's not by any of those, not by the stock market, not by the president, not by the politician that we vote into office. It's not by any of these things that we have hope. It's only by the precious blood of Jesus. And I don't know where you're at, if your marriage is struggling, if your family is falling apart, if, if your finances are a mess because of the holidays. 
and you think, I, I do not look forward to this year. I don't look forward to the next few weeks. I don't look forward to today because I know I'm going to have to go home and I have to talk about this or I'm going to have to think about this. Don't forget that it's not by our works. It's not by the, the gold and the silver. It's not by the ways of this world that we overcome and that we have hope. We wake up each morning with hope because of the precious blood of Jesus. I'm sure most of you in here have seen The Passion of the Christ. If you haven't, you have got to watch it. But in that movie, it's something that I, I overlooked until now. I read an article this week, and it just it hit me. And in the movie, Claudia, the wife of Pontius Pilate, gives clean white linens to marry the mother of Jesus. And this is at the same time that Jesus is being beaten basically to death. And his blood is puddled in the plaza for all people to see as he's whipped and he's beaten and he has a crown of thorns placed on his head. And Mary is given these white linens and this is what I read this week and, and it hit me and I hope that God speaks to you the same way he's spoken to me. She's given the linens, and, and it says, Mary turns at once to the task of not cleansing the blood-soaked stones of the plaza, but retrieving from them as much as possible the infinitely precious contents of our Lord's sacred veins. The very blood of God spilled so carelessly onto the earth beneath the cruel Judean sun. Jesus could have redeemed all of creation with one drop of blood, but he chose to shed all of his blood in the most painful and gruesome way. Not for us to forget about it. Not for us to say, that's nice, and yes, we'll remember it a few times a year when we take communion. But for us to each day wake up and say, God, it is only by your precious blood that I can live today. It's only by your precious blood that this marriage can be redeemed. It's only by your precious blood that I can get through this God, it's only by your precious blood. And this morning, we have this amazing opportunity to stop everything that we're doing and stop every worry, every fear that is going through our minds and say, God, before I walk out of here today, God, help me to depend on you. Help me to depend on your precious blood. 1 Corinthians 11, 25 and 26, in this same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim it as the only source of hope, the only way that we can walk out this morning and wake up tomorrow and continue to work the jobs we're working and continue to fight for the marriage that we are in and continue to minister to our children and our neighbors and our co-workers continue maybe to fight the depression that we've been suffering is when we take of the cup and we take of the bread and we proclaim that Jesus your death and your resurrection is all that truly matters in my life the books, the counseling, those are all good things, and you can work through those, but God, without your blood, those are powerless, and they mean nothing, and they can do nothing for me and for my family and for my spouse and for my job and for this nation. And so this morning, we'll do the same. I'm going to pray, and the ushers are going to come up. They're going to serve you the cup, and whenever you want, so you can take of the precious blood of Jesus.
as we proclaim his amazing, amazing sacrifice for us. God, we thank you this morning that you have done that for us. God, may we not forget about it. God, may we not minimize it. God, may we understand the precious blood of Jesus and what it means for our life. God, may we reflect on this idea of not cleaning the stones of the plaza in which Jesus was beaten, but God, collecting the precious blood from the dirty ground. God, the blood that has saved us, has given us hope. God, the blood that has given us everything that we could ever hope for and wish for. Jesus, we thank you so much.